Everybody, welcome to Naval Gazing the Valley Indie Podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll. I'm the reporter, editor, marketing director, grant writer, guys who take guy who takes out the garbage for ValleyIndie.org, a nonprofit online newspaper launched what seems like a thousand years ago back in 2009. Uh, I'm really excited for this broadcast because we're going to be talking about uh, everything or our limited focus of what Team Inc. does. Uh, Team Inc. is based in in Derby, and it's a wonderful organization, and it really doesn't uh, need my introduction because I'm sure anyone listening to this or watching this has already heard of the organization. But before we get to that, I just want to play a quick ad from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. This podcast is sponsored by valleygivesback.org. It shouldn't be a surprise that when you pass away, none of your assets go with you. Whether you have a will or not, your assets will be distributed, sometimes not how you would like. Why not make a plan? Your plan can include your favorite relatives, friends, and maybe a nonprofit or two supporting causes that you care about. Ask a trusted advisor about plan giving options. Plan for a gift that keeps on giving. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. Now, I totally froze at the beginning of this broadcast about a minute ago because I wasn't sure if I had the right ad uh, queued up. And, and Lord knows what uh, drops I have pre-programmed to this machine uh, off camera. But uh, so that worked out. We're off to a good start. But first, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll go around the room and we'll just have you each uh, identify yourselves and talk about uh, your affiliation uh, to Team Inc. And I guess we'll start with Mr. David Morgan. Hi, Eugene. Thanks for having us. David Morgan, President and CEO at Team. Then over to Lillian. Hi, I'm Lillian McKenzie. I am the new Development and Communications Manager here at Team. Uh, new to the team. I've been here for about six weeks. And then down to Carolyn. Hi, I'm Carolyn Catanio, lifelong resident of Shelton. And I work for Prudential Financial in Shelton. And I am a co-chair for this year's Toys for Kids event. And last, but certainly not least, Carol. Hi, I'm Carol Pendergast. Many of you know me from the Valley. I've lived here my entire life in Shelton. I also work in Shelton, and I'm happy to co-chair this committee this year. And just on a personal note, or anybody who's keeping track of Valley Indie history, I think Carol was one of the first people I met uh, in the Naugatuck Valley at a team event at some point in 2009. That could be wrong, my memory is shot, but uh, that's that's my story and I'm sticking with it. So I guess, I mean, Toys for Kids is, uh, I mean, it's amazing to me personally to witness it every year, particularly the last few years, because it's been anything but routine to bring an event like this together. And not only has Team Inc. made it happen, and of course, thanks to uh, the volunteers you see on this screen and the employees you see on this scene, on the screen, but the people of the Valley uh, in general who have stepped up and supported it it's a cliche, but now uh, more than ever. I mean, 1,600 kids more than helped last year uh, for toy by Toys for Kids. So, David, maybe we'll start with you. Uh, you can explain what it is to somebody who might um, not know, and then what's your particular challenge this year? What's the message you're trying to get out? Yeah, thank you, Eugene. And again, thanks so much for having us. Um, so it's not even Thanksgiving yet, and we've already connected 
with almost 1200 kids for this 2021 holiday season. And, you know, we're coming off of, you know, Eugene in the Valley Indy, you promoted the Backlick uh, Toys for Kids. Uh, it's 17th straight year of doing it. And we all just came off of that yesterday where there was this invasion of more than 100 people in the front lawn of the Backlicks coming together. Um, and I tell you what, that is one example of what I call a convergence for good. That's what Teen Toys for Kids is all about. And it's so much more than the toy itself. I want to remind people um, that, you know, families are having to make difficult decisions and they're balancing empty checkbooks. You're paying for the rent, you're paying the mortgage, you're paying for, you know, food on the table, keeping the lights on, your taxes, you know, your, your healthcare costs, transportation, et cetera, et cetera. And in a time of year, the holiday season, which should be, you know, an injection, a time full of love and joy and happiness, the desperate reality is it can actually be a time of increased stress and increased anxiety for parents and care and caregiving adults for their children, because now there's this added expense of how do I make the magic happen, you know, for Christmas morning, for the other holidays that we cherish and celebrate. And we can all agree that those increased levels of anxiety and stress when trying to balance an empty checkbook, you know, is not, a, not good for parents, not good for moms and dads, and certainly not good for the kids within that home. And speaking of the kids, you know, we think about 12-year-olds, think about eight-year-olds, four-year-olds, think about kids going into, you know, into school, you know, you're in fifth grade or you're going to your before and after school programs. And the reality of the stigma of those less fortunate than others, the haves and the have nots, was Santa better to some kids and then to others? And you get one shot at that. You don't get to turn the clock back. You get one shot at making the magic happen in that morning. And that's what this convergence for good is all about. That's what Teen Toys for Kids is all about. It eradicates all those realities. And so we really help bring that magic to kids. So when I say to you, Eugene, it's not just about making toys appear. It really has a lasting effect that can echo years for kids and their families. Um, Let's talk about uh, perhaps uh, not the most important thing, but, but maybe it is. How do people donate? Whoever wants to take that. I'm going to turn it over to Lily because, uh, I, you know, convergence for good. I think Lily can speak to what we've already done. And, you know, there's, you know, we're in the final stretch and what remains and how best to make a meaningful difference. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for um, thank you for having us on today. Uh, this is really special to highlight all the work. Um, My pleasure and, and congratulations on the new job. <laughs> thank you. I'm just trying to keep up um, jumping right into Toys for Kids. This is I can tell there's so many moving parts and so many um, people, staff and volunteers and everyone in the community. Um, so it's really great to, to see the, the machine is well oiled and we're just trying to figure it out how to make it work this year. Um, so how to donate, uh, we have um, multiple ways that you can do that. Um, you can go right to our website, it's teaminc.org slash toys dash four dash kids dash 2021. Um, I can give you that link in writing if that's uh, easier, um, but you can just click right on the, the button there and donate. Um, we also have a Walmart wish list uh, where you can pick and choose the toys that you uh, would like to donate and you can purchase them right on walmart.com. They get shipped directly to us. Um, and by the way, all the toys that come to us, we are sorting them for each individual child. We go through each application, um, learn about the kids, their ages, their interests, um, and individualize the toys that uh, they might really like on Christmas morning. Um, 
And then other ways that you can donate if you're a business in the community, um, we have sponsorship options anywhere from $250 up to $10,000. There's different levels and um, those really go a long way helping us reach a lot of kids. Um, and we are promoting your business name and your logo um, in any way we can. You can see on our social media, we all already have a lot of sponsors. Um, we'll be printing a, a really large banner outside of our um, toy store at uh, Echo Hose and Shelton. You'll see um, those logos on there um, for our big drop-off date of toys, as well as when the families come, they'll see all the businesses in the community that made this possible. Um, and we have you, your name on flyers and, and everything else. Um, so that would be a, a really huge help um, businesses, big and small in the community um, who want to do something nice and give back and, and at the same time get a little uh, uh, promo shout out from us. Yeah, and the website's really nicely organized, by the way. I was checking it out before I went on. It's really easy to, to get all this information as there, uh, uh, you know, there as well uh, as here. Uh, how about in terms of, and I don't know whoever wants to answer this, I know, David, when we talked last year, it was the pandemic, or maybe it was the, I don't know, it seems like we've been in it forever. Maybe it was two years ago. I don't know. But now this year, okay, we have the pandemic, and last year that changed sort of the nature or, or, or the way Toys for Kids used to function, where these boxes would be all over the valley, and we would come in and drop drop off our toys that way. Uh, but now this year, the supply chain issues that is on every media report uh, all over the place. Is this a particular challenge this year to whoever wants to take that? Yeah, I'll start. And then I, I'd love to hand it off to our champion co-chairs, uh, Carolyn and Carol. Um, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, when we last year, you know, before any cognizance of a pandemic, you know, Teen Toys for Kids, we'd have over 160 toy drop-off sites. We had over a dozen community events. Um, last year, to your point, Eugene, zero drop-off boxes, zero events. And, uh, you know, champions like Carol and Carolyn meeting with us every week last year um, to get this right and, and to be as creative as possible um, to get people to donate virtually, get on our website, get on our social media. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, the families and the children to get on Santa's list, you know, how do they virtually connect with team, you know, the team staff, um, you know, spending every minute, an hour having a conversation with mom, dad, caregiver about what are the likes and wants of your 12 year old son and your, your eight year old daughter. And, you know, I, I, I remind you that when we got together just this past August, we had the, you know, the, the unfortunate reality of the uh, Delta variant of the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, unfortunately, we, we saw another surge and, you know, we, we came to the real, realization that we're still swimming in a world where we just can't get out of, we just can't get out of our own way. We think we're out and then it's back in. And so that's where um, I, I just approached Carol and Carolyn and said, hey, we need champions to co-lead this and co-create this, another creative approach of Team Toys for Kids amidst the realities of a pandemic. Um, so we, we, we met earlier than ever before and we launched Team Toys for Kids earlier than before. And to your point, we ordered earlier than ever before. Um, and we've been ordering earlier and earlier. And uh, as people are responding, you know, we have purchasing um, relationships with um, national distributors like Melissa and Doug, who are selling toys to us at cost, meaning we're able to, you know, stretch that dollar even further. 
Um, one realization, um, we all know food costs more right now. We all know gas and fuel is costing more. Toys are also costing more. Those who have kids right now, um, a lot of people realize that when they came to the, you know, our Team Toys for Kids event yesterday at the Backlooks, saying, my goodness, even toys are more expensive. And so unfortunately, inflation is indiscriminate to every, you know, experience and quality of life standard we're all navigating right now, which to me underscores even more so the importance of, of making magic happen. Um, but I, I'd, I'd pass it off to Carolyn and Carol, who really have been orchestrating and great conductors of this work, not only a year ago, but actually getting us forward to, to ring the bell for success for 2021. Yeah, I think it has been really successful. And we had, a, as David um, alluded to, we had a, an early start, which was great because we foresaw a lot of um, issues with su supply chain and um, people's access. And so um, we got a good start and we already have um, 270 sponsors, I believe, right, David, big and small companies. So thank you so much. Um, and I think that's great. There's still time if others want to get involved. You don't need to be a large company. Um, you can be a very small company. You can be a, a small office with a few people. We have, um, as Lily said, we have uh, sponsorship levels on all different denominations, starting from $250 all the way to $10,000. And every little bit helps. So please um, consider helping us um, sponsor. Um, the sponsorships um, go to buy purchase toys that are um, on the wish list of many of our applicants. And also, they go to buy gift cards for the older kids, um, which that is something that, you know, is hard to come by the there's lots of donations of toys but people forget to about those gift cards um for the older kids so that they can go out and pick um what they really want on the walmart.com um, site so thank you um also i wanted to say something about um the the way that we are approaching the event um, this year and, and of course last year during the COVID time, um, I think that making this a virtual event has really streamlined the process a lot because um, as David said in the past, um, we've had collection boxes throughout the Valley and then we need volunteers to go around and pick up all those collection boxes, collect the toys, bring the toys to the toy store. And with the virtual option now, we there's so much more of an outreach. Uh, we can reach many more people um, by promoting the QR code for the Walmart wish list and also all of the um, updates that we have on our team website. Um, and we the outreach and the the footprint is now so much bigger, bigger than ever. And I think that that is um, it. Also makes it more convenient for people if they aren't able to get out physically to purchase toys or to drop off toys, um, they can still have an opportunity to participate. So I think that um, it's not a bad thing. I think that this is a good thing and it's a way forward um, that we can um, have this. Uh, opportunity or this option available for years to come. That's really interesting. So you're, 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 you face all this adversity as we all have with this pandemic and all the challenges. Uh, it it's presented to us and then supply chain issues. But if anything, it's sort of forced this program to, to step up and sort of modernize. And now it's bigger and better than ever is what I'm hearing here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, that's and amazing. 
we still have our corporate volunteer council involved, uh, which is part of the Valley United Way. And the, the corporate volunteer council companies are not only sponsors, but they're also our little soldiers in getting out there and, and promoting this and, and letting people know about it within their companies. And um, there are still some boxes around, which to, to David's um, point that he had made a couple of weeks ago, this shows that people are trying to come out of COVID. They want boxes, they want to collect, people want to buy toys. So there are are a few boxes around, but we're trying to keep that as limited as possible because of COVID. And then, Carol, I know, uh, like I had said at the top of the broadcast there, I remember uh, meeting you back in 2009. And when the Valley Indy launched, one of the things uh, that I did, I was not that I thought to do this myself, but I, they said, hey, you're going to launch a new site in the Valley. You need to go t talk to, uh, you know, people at Team Inc., uh, the Valley Council on Health and Human Services, Valley United Way. Uh, and, and Carol, you're sort of involved or had your finger on the pulse of, of everything going on uh, in the Valley for years now. What is it about this particular project or Team Inc. as an organization that keeps you coming back as a volunteer? Um, I would say, well, that goes all the way back to Diane Stroman. She was uh, the advocate for getting me involved with Team. And because they touch the lives not only of children, but all the way up to our senior citizens. So the programs are, are very um, broad as, as far as what we do for the Valley. And I think Team is just a, a fantastic organization for, for touching all of the lives of the people in our Valley that need help. David's been a great leader. And then how about in terms of uh, anything else anyone wants to add about uh, this year's Toys for Kids that I haven't particularly asked at this point? What else do you want to stress? Um, I just want to jump in and um, echo what Carolyn said earlier. We have 270 um, individuals or businesses uh, in the Valley and beyond all across the state who have chosen uh, to make a contribution to Team Toys for Kids. So it's just so it's, I just want to emphasize, it's really wonderful to see everyone coming together, um, especially this time of year, and especially uh, given the struggles of the past two years, um, just to kind of help each other through this. Um, and there's still time to give. And so we would like to see that number jump by a couple hundred more um, and get as many people in the Valley involved as possible, uh, supporting this initiative and supporting their neighbors. And Lillian, where can people go to learn more about Toys for Kids uh, including Facebook. How do I find that? Yeah, you can just search uh, Team Inc. right on Facebook and you will see um, our page come up. Um, and like I said, you'll see all of the sponsorship posts there. Um, and we post regularly about our progress for Team Toys for Kids. Um, and then again, our website, I'll repeat that's teaminc.org slash toys dash for dash kids dash 2021. Um, I will again put that in writing. Um, I have it. Yeah, if people are watching this, it'll be, I'll have it right under anyway. Okay. So we'll be good Great. there. People who listen audio only, I mean, come on, use Google. That's funny. I can kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of showing my age, I think, to a certain extent, because I want an exact URL. Those don't exist anymore. You just type it in and people find it. And it's very easy to find toys for yeah, kids. Yeah, you'll get there. It's everywhere. <laughs> right. And Eugene, if I, I just want yeah. you know, Lily has done an amazing job with the social media. So when you do Google it and find it, and you see all the different businesses, small business to, you know, the Carolyn's point, larger ones. There's such a nice profile on everybody getting behind Team Toys for Kids. 
Um, and one of the, and you even see elected officials, you know, you see mayors and state representatives that, you know, work for and pour themselves into the, our local communities every day. You know, you'll see a whole wide lens of different individuals. Um, one of them I would like to point out would be our very own here, Carolyn Carolyn, who dressed up as elves. And so there was a little elf invasion at Team Inc, Team Toys for Kids. So that's one of the posts. You can see them dressed up as elves, uh, cheerleading the work and speaking to the value of sponsorships. Um, the last thing I, I do want to say, um, Eugene, that you, you, you asked us to, you know, to close this up is, um, and I, you know, I don't want to get mushy here. So, but what I do want to say is there's a lot of things in the world, in my opinion, and I don't think I'm alone, that just don't make a lot of sense right now. There, it, a lot of scary headlines. We're, we're swimming through hyperpolarized and divisive issues and environments. And, uh, you know, when I close my eyes and I just think about what December 25th and the other holidays could look and feel like, and I think about, you know, five o'clock in the morning or 4.30 in the morning and little kids poking dad or poking mom in the head saying, oh my goodness, magic happened this morning. You know, somebody came and visited. And um, to me, that makes all the sense in the world, despite all, and you don't see the headlines of that type of stuff. So from all of us, we just appeal to you all to help make magic happen, um, it, despite, you know, the kind of wonky world we're swimming through together. That's very well said. Well, thank you so much for that. And I thought I have no real natural segue here, but I thought we, we had we're having David Morgan on and Team Inc. has also been involved in helping to set up forums uh, about housing uh, in in the Naugatuck Valley and beyond. And if people, uh, everyone can feel free to share or duck out, whatever you have to do, It's uh, I won't take it personal. But I wanted to ask, uh, I mean, I was just looking at some data, David, uh, before we came on. Last year, 2020, June 2020, the number of apartments uh, available was a certain number in Derby. And then a year later, it had fallen by like 65%. It went from something like however many available apartments to only a few available. And yet the rent went up about 7%. And that's pretty much a trend we're seeing uh, all over the Naugatuck Valley, less available apartments and uh, more rent, more, more monthly rent. And again, it's only anecdotal, but everyone on this screen is more connected in a lot of ways probably to this than I am. Uh, I'm seeing posts every single day on, on Facebook community groups and elsewhere, people emailing me uh, asking for apartments. And it's not something I saw when the Valley Indy first launched or when I first moved up to Derby about 10, 15 years ago. So what's the extent of the problem, if any, David Morgan? Do, or is there an apartment crunch happening right now, particularly in Ansonia and Derby? Yes, absolutely. And, and I think everybody staying here makes a lot of sense. There's a reason why Carol and Carolyn and Lily get behind team on so many levels, because they are in the front line trying to address a lot of complicated social, economic, environmental challenges from food insecurity to housing hardship. And yes, toys uh, on the holiday season. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a real challenge. And uh Eugene, I, I, you know, all of us at team, when you when you think about COVID-19 and, and a lot of the different, you know, coronavirus relief that occurred, um, one of the strategies was the uh, the housing moratorium. And we continued to talk about oh, the eviction, need, eviction moratorium. You yes, mean? thank you. Yeah, the eviction moratorium. Yep. Um, and it needed to end. It had been, you know, it, it, it had been going on for a long time. Um, 
we knew there would be an increased need for assistance and help as the moratorium sunsetted. Um, the reality is in the last four months for team, it is, it, it, every month is larger than the last month. So we've seen more than 300 people come into team's doors directly or refer to us screaming for help with housing, whether it was rent and or mortgage. And by the way, each month is higher than the last month. So if I were to throw up a, a bar graph, you'd see this trajectory going up from July to August, September, yeah. October. Um, over 300 people right here in our in our Valley communities, that's, that's a big number. Um, just to give you context, pre-pandemic, you know, we'd help a little over 70 households with, you know, security deposit or, or okay. rental or rearage. Um, and so it's a big number. And uh, there are, you know, federal programs, there's, you know, Unite CT, you know, coronavirus relief funding to help both tenants and landlords. Um, but truth be told, it's very challenging. And, and, and I empathize with landlords who are, you know, having a hard time, you know, there might be something approved in May, and they're still waiting, you know, or they applied in May, and they're still waiting for the relief to come through. Um, and so team is spending a significant amount of time, you know, mediating and handholding with, you know, landlords and tenants to fill out the paperwork and get that housing relief. Um, in, in fact, in some examples, the, the stress and the need is so chronic that we have to look to other sources of, of payer of last resort uh, 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 relief so that, um, you know, the, the payments can get in place. Um, so it's a real challenge. Um, it, you know, the other number I would throw at you would be, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the average market rate for a two bedroom apartment right here in Connecticut, you know, is over $1,400 a month. And that's for the state of Connecticut. Um, you know, we're, there's not a day that goes by. We already had 59 people or households, I should say, just in the month of November who have come to team saying, I need help. I need help with mortgage or I need help with rent. Um, and some of it could be paperwork nightmare. Some of it's financial or all the above. Um, but to afford that type of market, when we say affordable housing and average market rate, what that type of value means, you have to be making $27.32 an hour on a 40-hour work week in, or, in order to make that affordable. And when we say affordable, that means you're not spending more than 30% of your total resources coming in. Once you start spending more than 30%, now, the, now, now it's starting to buckle. My ability to pay for the food on the table, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, electric, the utilities, uh, my, my taxes, uh, my healthcare expenses, transportation expenses, Childcare, school age activities, if those apply, diapers, if I have young children, once you get over 30%, you're starting to buckle on, on whether or not you're, um, uh, it's affordable anymore. Um, and so this is not, and you, you, you raised the piece around forums. We, we do a lot of convenings. You, a beautiful article came out from Valley Indy that talked about food insecurity, but also about creating relational infrastructure, as I call it, um, on how do we get these types of solutions? Because um, this is not a low income problem. This is not a poor people problem. This is an everyone problem. You know, when I see, you know, an, an older adult, age 79, living within her, her, you know, in Oxford with her large, big, beautiful house, you know, her partner passed away, her kids are grown up. And she says, David, I can't afford to move out of my big Oxford house into an apartment of my choosing. I think that's a problem. And I think we should all be concerned if a 79-year-old woman can't care for that oversized house anymore, what's going to happen? That house depreciates the value, the stock, so that, you know, we, that's an everybody problem. 
Um, when, when a dad says, you know, my 25 year old daughter can't find a rental option in the same town I raised her in right here in Derby. And I, and she wants to stay in the town she grew up on. I want her to stay in the town I grew up in. And this is not a Derby problem. It's not an Ansonia problem. It's not a Valley problem. It's a state of Connecticut problem. And you can even look at the country. And so my point is we really need to figure this out because people are making really hard choices. And, you know, when you hear the stories being told from Shelton residents and Oxford and Seymour Valley residents saying, you know, I always wanted my kids, you know, just like every generation to be more successful than the generation before them. And when I find that they can't launch, when the birdies can't get out of the nest and they got to stay within my home or I have to continue to safety net, you know, my 32 year old daughter, I think we have a problem. And do you think, uh, well, let me just ask if, I, if I'm somebody who, who's listening to this or watching this on Facebook, and maybe, uh, you know, I'm just starting to fall behind the, uh, on my bills for whatever reason. Maybe, you know, my transmission broke and there goes, that's a major uh, uh, disaster if you're essentially in this situation where you're living paycheck to paycheck and housing and childcare particularly are eating up 50% of, of your income every month. What's the first steps they can take? Do you just call up team? Is team expanding? Uh, it's it's team within team that that handles these housing issues. What are the first baby steps someone can take? Yeah, great question. Th thanks for bringing it right down to the ground. So yeah, absolutely, teaming.org, and you can see the different tabs for you know housing assistance or other basic needs assistance, and uh, that's why we had that first housing forum forty days before the pandemic realities crashed upon Connecticut. Almost 300 people came together at the Villa Bianca Banquet Hall in Seymour, and all team did was just hold the mirror up to the community and say, you know, people are coming into team with food insecurity. They're coming into team needing help with their heating assistance. They're, they're coming into team needing help with childcare, diaper need, the, the, their elderly parents. And team does not believe in making poverty livable. We do not believe in just giving one off here relief giving. So when somebody comes in and they're struggling with food on the table, I think we can all agree that there may be more challenges, you know, that's underneath the iceberg that we see. And so team, you know, I think one of team's strengths is we cast no judgment. We do give tough love, but we do a holistic assessment. So you might be coming in with food, but tell us more. Are you working? Where are you working? Are you unemployed? Are you underemployed? Do you have, you know, do you have access to healthcare, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so when we held that forum, of the common denominator, Eugene, was how much they were spending for the roof over their head. When they're spending, you know, when one in four renters right here in the region are spending more than 50%, spending more than 50 cents for every dollar they're working hard to bring in, that's a problem. You know, when one in four are spending more than 30 cents for every dollar they bring in, that's a problem. And you look at some of our communities in Ansonia, Derby, Seymour, Shelton, and you see them paying 62 cents to every dollar they're earning, and they got 38 cents left, you know, for the food and the, you know, things I said earlier. That's a real problem. And so that's why we did the forum. Um, and then we did one again the, this past year um, amidst the pandemic. And we're going to do another one in May or June of 2022 because we're really excited. We've got exceptional leadership here in the Valley. We've got great mayors, first selectmen, first select women. We've got planning and zoning, you know, housing commissioners. 
this is the only way we're going to solve this is by bringing all of us together, you know, lived experiences, decision makers, um, to really address systems level. Um, we are really good, you know, going back to your question, forgive me, I went off on a tangent there. No, we no, that's think, fine. Okay. Um, so we help with security deposit assistance. We help with um, arrearages and matching payments. So again, you know, landlords get a bad rap too often. Yes, we have landlords not in good practice, but we have a lot of wonderful landlords in the Valley who really, you know, when you see the headlines about what the pandemic's done to small business and how, it, you know, some are gone and we'll never see them again or will never be the same. You've got to think about our landlords. That's their, that's their livelihood. That's their small business. And, and they create beautiful housing spaces for people from all walks of life. And so what we do is we help with security deposits. And now, you know, we used to freak out about you need two months of security deposits. There's some examples where three months are needed. So imagine a fixed income and the inability to, to be able to front that security deposit. Team helps with that. Um, and then when people fall in arrearages, we really look under the hood. We look at how much resources are coming into that household. What is sustainable? We do give the tough love about this is not sustainable. We're going to need to do other strategies. If we help with this arrearage, you're going to come right back to team in 30 or 60 days. And that's not helping you. That's not helping the community. That's not helping anybody. Um, and I think team is really, frankly, the only one that can really do that type of tough love in that holistic whole package. Case yeah. Case management. Um, and the landlords, when they find out for, team is involved, they feel a lot better too. You know, evictions can slow down some of the, you know, um, the, the ability to convene and bring people together to get the solution um, and, and the stick to itiveness of it all and matching those payments. Um, so you go to teaminc.org, you know, and, and we can help you access Unite CT if that's not working for landlord and if it's not working for tenant, team is really agile and really good at finding other alternative ways, whether it's other coronavirus relief funding, COVID-19 financial assistance impacts, um, Warm Hearts, the Diane Stroman Warm Hearts Fund. We have lots of different, um, we have a lot of arrows in the quiver. I'll put it that way. Uh, David Morgan, the most passionate man in the Naugatuck Valley uh, when it comes to issues like this, right? I mean, thank you so much. I, I, I really do appreciate it. And everybody should keep a, a, an eye and ear out for that housing forum coming up uh, in May or June, because that's where these, you know, we're talking about systemic issues and there are people in the Valley uh, addressing it. Uh, so unless there's anything else anyone wants to add, I want to thank everybody uh, for appearing on the broadcast. I really do appreciate it. Actually, Eugene, I'd like to just add that that is a perfect example of our Valley. When someone is in need, people come together and they help each other. And it is unique to other parts of the country. We've had many nonprofits, people come in and, and uh, you know, oh, well, I'm here to, to help with this. Nope, they find out that the Valley is unique and we're, we're, we're there to help each other, the, the whole community. So welcome, Lily. You're gonna learn a lot about our Valley. <laughs> I love it, thank you. All right, with that, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. For hundreds of years, we brought you the news. For the info, we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. Changing market now threatens our lives. Post-literation, critical reading, dumbed-down nation signs of inbreeding.
voice in my head Public discourse Just about dead We'll ride the dinosaur Yeah, ride the dinosaur Our readers are in the opens each day yeah.